Welcome to the Student of the Game podcast, where I sit down with successful entrepreneurs to extract the knowledge you need to increase your income and avoid simple mistakes. You learn from their failures so you don't have to go through the same thing. I hope that you find one thing that can change your life in this episode. Thank you for listening. For tuning in to the Student of the Game podcast, I'm Tim Stone, here with our special guest today, Caleb Hommel. Caleb is a very, very young real estate investor, and we are going to learn how you can do that how you can buy real estate and then what are his strategies right now in 2023. So Caleb, thank you for being here. Let's, Dude, uh, thanks for let's having me. It. Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here. Uh, tell, give, fill me in on who you are and what you do because I, uh, I really haven't known you that long. Yeah. So yeah, Caleb Palmel, uh, 20 years old this time. I've got 28 units today looking to put some more under contract here shortly. But yeah, 20 years old, born and raised San Diego, California, buy all my stuff in Texas. Okay. So 28 rental properties, rental units, yep. paying you rent every month at 20 years old. Yep. Uh, how do you do that? How do you do that at 20? Gosh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, Started off being a college dropout. <laughs> that, okay, that me was, too. That, that was the, that was the <laughs> first step of the there. process. Wait, wait yeah. why did why'd you, why'd you drop out of college? Yeah, so I was there. I was playing baseball at a local junior college in San Diego. and just kind of got to the point where I just didn't love the baseball anymore. And I uh, stumbled on my mentors. You know them well, Christian and Cody. And I'm like, mm. the opportunity cost of letting this opportunity walk by from learning from these guys is too much. So I was like, yeah, worst case scenario, I drop out. Don't make anything out of it. Six months, I go back. So kind of just took the leap of faith and went for it. I said the same thing. Like, if it's the worst decision I ever made to drop out, I'll just go back next semester. Yeah, who cares? It's, you take a semester <laughs> off, but it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, right. So, 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 uh, what's the opportunity with uh, Christian and Cody? How did that? Uh, why? Yeah. Why was that a factor at that time? Yeah, for me, it was a huge factor because I always knew I wanted to get into real estate. Right. So, sixteen years old, six years, seventeen during COVID, I was still in high school. So, red rich dad poor dad. I'm like, this book's life changing. Like, like so many other people, I'm like, I didn't know this mm. was real. I've, I've been told go get a corporate America job your whole life. That, that's all I'd ever know. And so read that and I was like, this, I just didn't know I could ever start it. And then junior college, I hear some kid who's 21, Cody Davis has picked up 80. He was like 50 units at the time, 50 or 80. And I was like, how do you do that? I was like, what? I, I was a young guy doing this of his own money. I'm like, I'm broke as a joke. I want to do the exact same thing. So the opportunity was just learning from somebody who did exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah, there it is. Like, how, And how did you come across him? He came to speak or? Uh, no, it was actually pretty interesting. So I came across Cody. There was some meetup in northern San Diego. When I went up there, I was going to these meetups, trying to network, trying to connect. And some lady's like, oh, have you heard of this young kid? He's doing units, seller financing. I was like, uh, what's that? And then she gave me Cody's number, and I blew him up with questions, him and Christian. And then they just started up the program, their mentorship program. Mm -hmm. I was like one of the first guys in there. Okay. Yeah, so you just went after the opportunity. Yeah, pretty much ground up. I'm like, if this mentorship could be a scam, and I wasted a few hundred bucks on it. Cool, it's a few hundred bucks. I'm night. I'm, I was 18, no money. I'm like, eh, let's just see where this goes. Yeah. So, so you joined a mentorship. You found someone who could potentially be a partner, or if anything, just give you advice, which is exactly. what I always tell people: like, don't try to do your first deal by yourself. Really, don't oh, try to do. No. Don't don't try to do any deal by yourself if you can. But. You, you found mentors, you found potential partners, mm -hmm. and then what's next? You joined their program, yeah. gave them a couple hundred bucks, and then yeah. how, do, how do you now own real estate? Yeah, I joined their program, um, paid them a couple hundred bucks a month. My payment was bouncing almost every month because I just all day I'd work, and then at night I'd go out and do DoorDash to try to cover enough of the payments, and just that was 
pretty much all I was doing. So yeah, I just started um, applying what they were teaching me every single day, just making a crap ton of phone calls, mostly to brokers. I know there are a lot of relationship stuff, but I buy out of state. So I'm like, yeah, I'm broke. I don't really ha have the means to drive or fly to Texas to have a coffee meeting whenever I want. Mm. So had to um, make a lot of broker calls instead of all the owner calls. Why do you buy out of state? Gosh, San Diego is the most beautiful place in the world, but they hate landlords and the price is ridiculous. It, it, that's, it's as simple as that. Mm. It's like, well, I'd love to own here. It's everything you're looking northern of 200 a door is a good deal. Like I know some mm -hmm. guys who they're like, oh, if I can get a deal, if I can get a door in the threes, where they're buying, like this is an awesome deal in San Diego. I'm like, whoa, that <laughs> mm -hmm. that's a little price. You're looking at way lower cap rates, way less cash on cash. And just getting started, it was just the buried entry. I'm like, I'm not really there. Maybe when I'm a gazillionaire, hopefully down the line, I can park some cash and just let it appreciate like crazy. But getting started wasn't the place to start. I thought. Okay, so I, I I'm curious because I've never really done a deal out of state like across tennessee and georgia state lines but mm -hmm. it, you know they're probably 15 right. miles apart yeah. so it wasn't that big of a deal so how, how do you do it completely like you have no team i'm assuming at first yeah like you have, yeah. To, build, you have to build a team property management yep. like how do you how do you do a multifamily deal out of state yeah so getting started backtracking a little bit i'm extremely bullish on the fact that having a team right when you get started is the most overrated thing in real estate like from bigger pockets, everybody talks about, oh, you need to build your team, build your team. If there's no deal and you have no opportunity, there's no team to build for. Like there's there's no building for a property manager to manage. There's no nothing for a contractor to fix. There's no roof for a roofer to do anything with. And it's like before I even found the deal, I'm like, I don't know exactly what market I'm going to even be in. So I'm not even going to build that team yet. The first thing was just finding the opportunities and finding markets where I'd be interested and then building out the teams from there. Kind of a ready, fire, aim approach. Just, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure it out. Then I'm going to go back and see if what needs fixing, what worked, what didn't, where I need to edit, all that stuff. Okay. So where was that first market you invested in? Yeah, that that first one, still extremely bullish on that market, is McAllen, Texas and Southern Texas. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the border towns then there. Just, they're getting even bigger every single day. And yeah, so I've, I'm there. My second one was Laredo and my third one was a little farther away in Houston. So I'm kind of spread out along Southern Texas. Okay. And how big were those deals? Gosh, the first one was a 10 unit. Second one was an eight unit third one was a 10 unit and then now i'm obviously looking to continue scaling so now looking for something 20 doors and up okay and how did you buy them yeah all seller finance man i had i closed at the closing table personally i had 300 dollars, so there was no shot i was putting any of my own money down on any you didn't things. put 300 down i did not actually no i decided to keep that in the big account because i needed to pay christian and cody for the next month still yeah okay so uh seller finance no money down uh, were you just cold calling people? Was it on the market? Yeah. So my first two were on the market. It was just cold calling a ton of brokers. I mean, and there it's hard to get started today, but it might've been harder to find seller finance deals a year ago because it was mm. lower interest rates, like three or four. It's like, right. Interest rates were so low. People could a broker would laugh at you. They're like, like, who cares? Like go get a bank loan. And me, I'm like, I, I, I wish I could get a bank loan. Now I have a reasonable excuse. I'm like, yeah, bank loans just don't make sense right now. I could partner with certain people and make a bank loan work. It was just cold calling a ton of brokers, finding something. It was honestly looking for things that were a little overpriced instead of the market where conventional rates just didn't exactly make sense. The owner wanted a certain price or had a sticking point on something. And those were my first two deals. Owners were older, just wanted to get out of the deal. Where it's like 80 years old. They can't hop up on the roof and fix things anymore. That's kind of where I found the bread, bread and butter for those first two. And the third one was just a completely off market opportunity. And the guy liked the passive income. Okay. Uh the, the first thing that kind of came to mind is you were working with brokers. How does the broker get paid? Because that's that's yeah. something that doesn't make sense to me of, because they, they want to get top dollar because they're going to get a percent commission. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, I'm overpaying for the property, so they sure as heck mm. don't mind. Um, so yeah, I just sellers pay the broker's commission out of it. I just had every deal I've done, the brokers double ended it. So. Okay, so you bring nothing to the closing table, and then the seller cuts a check for the commission. Yep, pretty much. And then with seller financing, it's closing costs are so much lower than a normal loan too. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that big of a deal. And did the seller pay closing costs? On the first one, I, in hindsight, I, I, it didn't matter. But I was like, uh, I don't know what I don't know about closing costs. You pay it. <laughs> and then that's something I negotiated. Now mm -hmm. I don't mind paying closing costs and seller financing deals since they're not that much. Okay. Yeah, we, we did a, a 10 unit seller financing deal and it was no money down, but we paid the closing cost. It was like six grand. Yeah. So I mean, if you don't have six grand, you could negotiate that they pay it. But this guy didn't want to write a check at closing either. So we kind of we kind of negotiated where like the, the first payment was we just let him keep security deposits. <laughs> so uh, we, we came to the closing table signed. We, you know, we had to pay the attorneys and all the title fees and everything, right. with the, the state and the county. But that was it. We let him keep security deposits and then he gave us an extra month to pay him the first uh, month of rent. So we were allowed to collect before we had to pay him. And oh, that's sweet. Uh, funny story. So he, the seller, uh, every, I, I posted about this and people were like, oh, you're ripping this guy off. Like you got one over on this guy. He texted uh, me and Landon, the guy I did the deal with Saturday night or a couple days ago. It doesn't matter. He, he wants to go skydiving with us. That was one oh, of the things wow. we talked about when we were negotiating. It just came up in That's conversation. Awesome. Um, and, and he he really wants to. He invited us to his pool party uh, for the 4th of July. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So like, we got him exactly what he wanted. He, no, he that's didn't... the thing. The seller mm -hmm. financing, a lot of people are like, oh, you're pulling a fast on this guy. Like, like they're talking about you. It's like certain people have certain things they're looking for. Not everybody is the traditional seller where, hey, I'm trying to 1031 this and buy something bigger, yada, yada, yada. Some people are just like, mm -hmm. hey, I just want passive income. I don't want to work on the property more my back hurts every time i do something it's like just everybody has different goals and a lot of people realize that yeah he had sold like half of his portfolio last year didn't really want a big tax hit wanted mm -hmm. to wait a couple more years before he had to do that again just bought a house on a golf course he was ready to play golf and fish you know uh, enjoy his retirement and he had 10 more properties we're like well what if what if you get the lump sum in five years but we could take over the property, you know, fix it up, make it look nice. Exactly. And it'll be really presentable to the bank in five years. And we can actually give you the price you want. He said, sure. Exactly. That's a huge so, thing. I'm the same way. Yeah. So, uh, so th there's three deals. The one that was off market, um, where, where'd you get that lead? Yeah, that was just a broker. So I called how I went about my broker prospecting. A lot of people are different. I would literally just look on the market. I'm like, I want oh, I would be okay owning that, that, and that. And like through the whole loopnet, Crexy, realtor.com, Zillow, whatever, every site you can think of. I just called every single broker who had something I wanted to own. It was, it was that simple. If they had a 10 unit I liked, called the 10 unit I liked. I, every deal I've done hasn't been the deal I called on from the broker. It has been something else mm -hmm. they had. Hey, I have this other one listed too. If you want to check it, this out, they might be open to carrying a contract. And so that one, I talked to the guy like, gosh, maybe five, 10 times out of Houston, great broker. And he's like, Hey, I know you've been staying persistent with me. We're looking for something seller financing. This guy wants to carry a contract. And it was off market, got the price I wanted, 10 down, five and a quarter percent interest. It was like I'm that'd be stupid not to take that deal. Mm. That that's an important piece talking with the brokers and just really anyone in real estate in general is seeing what else they have. A hundred percent. Everybody forgets to ask the question. It's that's this it's it's just the end of every talk track. Just ask that question, just slip it in there. You'd be amazed how many people have other deals they're wanting to sell. Yeah, absolutely. That's so that's how we got this 10 unit deal. I bought a duplex from the guy and we were like, hey, you got any more? He's like, yeah, but I don't want to sell him yet. We're like, well, you know, found out the reason why he doesn't want to sell him yet just because he sold you know, a bunch of other properties and the tax problem. 
So we solved that problem for him. Boom, did the deal. It's that easy. That's simple. Uh, and then uh, there's another one. So there, there's this property that I, I've seen it all the time growing up. It used to be a dealership on the side of the highway and it's been okay. abandoned. They moved the dealership. Mm-hmm. And there's, I swear it's been for sale as long as I can remember. And there's a sign out on the highway. So like now I do real estate. I'm, I'm an adult. Like I saw it as a kid. So now I called the number and he's like, yeah, I sold it eight months ago. Sorry about it. I go, well, do you have any more? He goes, yeah, I got, uh, I can't remember. It was like 92 acres on the other side of the highway for sale like, and he's, there's no, no sign out not on the internet anything like that so i got the information on that i don't know that i would personally do anything with it but if that's no a, but exactly you're looking for like yes yeah. opportunities are everywhere it's just asking the question so many people are afraid to pitch the question with seller financing through too there's a ton of stigma around it with like how investors brokers don't like it a ton because not a lot of people understand it if everybody understand it i think a lot more people would do it but it's like just posing the question, hey, how do you want to take this one down? Are you open to carrying a contract or are we just going to bang it out conventional? It's just asking the question. People are like, well, what would carrying a contract look like? And then the whole then the conversation just opens up. But so many people are afraid to even ask. Yeah. And, and then uh, another piece I've been taught is, well, what what's your plan for the money when you sell it? Are you just going to go invest it in something that's going to make you 3% or can I pay you more monthly and, and just give me more time to give it to you? No, exactly. I started doing a lot more off-market stuff now with owners. That's something I've changed in my business a little bit with the economy being the way it is. And they're like, uh, I, I have actually had a few opportunities from seller finance because of that exact same thing. Like, I wouldn't be opposed to carrying a contract. They want a little higher percent interest than it works, but they know that if they go invest in something else, they're just going to get a worse return right now. So what's the point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's uh, what's the plan right now? Like, how are you looking for deals? Are you doing the exact same thing? Now, uh, Good question, I mean, yeah. the the market's different. So, you know, I've kind of switched up strategies a little bit and a lot of people have, what are you doing now? Yeah. So when I got started, sales volume was through the roof. The economy was just, I mean, they're keeping us afloat. Interest rates were basically next to nothing. So sales volume was, I don't know if it was an all time high. I imagine it was, but now it's, we've gone the polar opposite direction. Sales volumes down 70, 80%. So in my eyes, I'm just like, that's 70, 80% chance less a broker has a deal for me. And I just don't, think the same time would be valued calling brokers so i'm like okay i'm gonna make the pivot so i do a ton of direct owner stuff now that's something i changed in my business okay well is it just cold calling or what do you do direct to owner? a lot of cold calling and i actually started experimenting with some sms blast stuff kind of just in the early phases of it just because everybody talks about everybody opens a text more than they'll take a call and i was kind of like yeah, i kind of feel like that's true for even myself so started doing it started getting a ton of response rate and kind of just working some leads with that right now yeah, what's the what's the secret magic to the SMS blast? Because you're you know, you're basically pulling a thousands of phone numbers, ten thousand, whatever, and you yeah. text them, "Hey, would you sell your property?" Pretty much. Um, I take it a little slower than that. I'm experimenting with some other stuff, just kind of like, "Hey, is this Tim? It's Caleb," and they're like, "Uh, Caleb who?" And then kind of just entering the conversation from there. Nothing stuck yet, but I've been close on a few and working on a few leads right now. So yeah, I, I would. I personally would not respond to that text. <laughs> I mean, hey, these old these older yeah. people are a lot of the a yeah. lot of the owners because I'm filtering by some of them free and clear. So a lot of them are like, uh, "Who is this?" Or they'll be like, one of them is like, "Caleb, we just spoke yesterday. What's going? Like, did you get a different number?" I'm like, "Nope, different Caleb." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it gets confusing, but um, cool. Well, I mean, that's that's a a good uh, strategy. I, I know a lot of people that have success with all the different pieces of finding deals. Like, I mean, there's going, a million of them, right? Write to brokers. You can text directly to the owner. You can send them mail. You can go mm-hmm. visit them. Like you can go knock on their door and say, "Hey, would you sell the property?" Um, I feel like but, I, that would just be way too like. 
That'd be hard for you to do. If, that'd be hard for you to do. You know, doing deals in Texas. Yeah, I have to fly uh, out there, book like a week, stay in an Airbnb, and just drive around all day, knocking yeah. on everybody's door. I mean, I could though. But if they know <laughs> you went through that effort to do the deal, maybe you got a better chance. Yeah, maybe maybe they're like, eh, I like I like that a little bit. I like the hustle. Yeah, I like the hustle. Maybe, but if not, or they're like, get off my lawn and yeah, they're like, you know, who are you? Guns out. But. Yeah, exactly. They're they're ready to go. Yeah. So what, what's the like the biggest lesson you're learning right now now that you have properties? Like how long ago was it that you did your first deal? Gosh, so it was about seven, eight months ago. And the biggest lesson of I've always kind of internalized it. It's just you don't know what you don't know when you're getting started. So it's just learning little things about like little maintenance items. Hey, instead of doing this, you could do this, or property managers, this works best, that works best. Just little stuff here and there. But I think the biggest learning curve for me has been coming when the economy slowed down, just because I was like, hey, I'm 20. I'm just going to keep scaling to the moon. And it's like, hey, that actually might not be the best idea. Let's stabilize, optimize now. So we have these nice properties that are performing to the best of their ability. And then let's go out and expand super hard again. And kind of doing that, scaling back a little bit in some ways and scaling forward in others on the renovations and the optimization side. Yeah. So are, are these properties cash flowing right now? What, what are you doing mainly yeah. for income? Yeah. So I have a sales agency I run on the side and I just plow all that in my properties. So I have a few vacancies right now, just renovating units. But once everything's filled, I'll be cash flowing. Okay. Ton, well, excuse me. What's the, what's the sales agency? Yeah. So like I said, I went through Christian and Cody's mentorship and they're like, they were trying to boost it up. And they're like, Hey, if anybody starts getting affiliates in here, we'll, we'll pay you a commission. And I was like, I do DoorDash. One of those commissions is more than I make in a month. Let's try it. Hmm. and started trying it and then was like oh i'm not bad at this and started getting better and better and better so then i kind of just was like hey, i'm doing this for you guys why don't i just start a company out of this and so kind of just over social media a lot of digital stuff a lot of that same thing sms text blast and i've been having success with it so that's kind of yeah. where i'm at right now yeah what what's like how are you usually selling stuff yeah gosh honestly most of it's off instagram and facebook even bigger pockets a little bit it's just interacting with people's communities is the biggest thing these people who build followings on social media there's just so much untapped leads there. And they have courses or mentorships. It's like, they're like, hey, I actually didn't know you had it once you follow up there. Yeah, I'm super interested, but had a few questions and I didn't reach out. And there's just a ton of warm leads. And they're just, when they're your followers, everybody has a community and they're interested in what you're doing. So it, I found a, a ton of success with Christian and Cody and working on some other guys' stuff right now too. Gotcha. So you would go into their audience, their following, and mm -hmm. sell their courses to it. It's like, yep. say, say Bigger Pockets, just as an example, you would go into Bigger Pockets. And sell bigger pockets products to their people. They're not to the leads. Exactly. They're not nurturing. Yeah, no, exactly. That's something you can do. Okay. I, I, I haven't sold anything for bigger pockets. That'd be awesome. Yeah. But no, I've sold some people's products like on the bigger pockets forums, on their Instagram following, all that stuff. But yeah, and I have an interesting model with that too. A lot of sales stuff. They're like, hey, I need X amount up front. We're gonna go bang, 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 bang here, a ton of upfront costs. And I just didn't really like that. I don't know mm -hmm. why. Maybe it's just being younger. I'm like, oh, that seems kind of stupid. How about? I'll just take 20% commission and you have no upfront cost. And so if I don't sell anything and I suck, you don't lose any money. If I'm great and I make you a ton of money, we both make a ton of money. And it's, it was just kind of mm -hmm. that simple in my head and kind of just ran with that idea. Yeah. If you don't perform, you don't get paid. Yeah. Who, who <laughs> no cares? risk. It, it, like a, make it a no brainer offer. Exactly. It's that's exactly it. It's like, Oh, I'd be stupid not to take this. Cause if he sucks, he sucks and it doesn't matter. He's great. I make a ton of money. So our interests are directly aligned in the same exact direction. You do well. I do well. Yeah. Do you have plans to kind of get into the education space yourself? Gosh, that's a great question. In the future, definitely. Right now, just really focused on scaling the businesses and just, I mean, I'm 20 years old, trying trying to learn mm -hmm. as much as I can and get my own thing going. But definitely in the future, have I want to have my own products I sell. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way. Like, I think it would make sense at some point to do it, but not now. I'm 22. 
Yeah, so, no, you're you're closer to me than almost anybody I talk to. It's like like we have so much growing to do still. It's right, and like I, I have learned a lot. I can help people do their first deals, but I, I am wanting to invest in myself, invest the time, money, energy exactly. into learning more skills, so I can you know, it it'll translate better. So like people, people do people reach out to you already asking if you'll mentor them or if you do coaching stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of people, especially just as I'm like interacting with people's audiences on my account and then other accounts and all that stuff, and just um made some other ones and it's like hey uh would you be open to mentoring me they'll send me a message i'm like i, I don't have yeah. time i don't so, have time to mentor you right so, now i'm sorry like people do get hate for selling courses and selling coaching programs stuff like that but you don't like i i don't know if people understand how many people reach out to me asking Dude, me to sell them some yes. sort of coaching program i want help I want to do you have a course will, will you spend an hour with me i'll pay yeah. you yeah, no, it's a ton. Of, I get the same thing. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, hey, I don't want to take your money just because I feel like you go spend it on a better education platform. Like I have this, this, and this one. Like it's just, I'm not in the point of my career. And it sounds like you aren't either where it's like, hey, maybe coaching is cool in a couple of years down the line. But at this time, I'm just like, nope, I just, there's so much more growing I have to do and investing in myself I have to do first. Mm -hmm. So, so what is the coolest story that's come out of your real estate journey in the last eight months? Gosh. That's a great question. One of the funnier ones is brokers finding out my age. Very rarely do they find out. Mm. Some of them actually follow other accounts I've been on. And they're like, I get a text. Wait, is this you? And I'm like, oh, gosh, <laughs> like you're only 20. I'm like, yeah, most of them are OK with that. I've only had a few ever just go mm. MIA on me. I think two of them out of the hundreds I've called from that. And some of them are just like, oh, cool. Here's a deal I found. I'm just like, sounds good. Let's take a look. That's been the coolest one. And just kind of beating everybody and just the network I've grown like Christian and Cody have been life-changing for me meeting people from their community other communities when i was gonna start 20 years old it's like my horizons hadn't broadened very much i was just coming out of high school playing college baseball that stuff now 18 then 20 now it's like i've met so many people through real estate brokers investors friends for life all that stuff that's probably been the best part mm. so I, i've had someone say to me i'm 25 years old or i've had someone say to me i'm only 25 years old i can't get into real estate people won't take me seriously and i'm like Bro, I'm I'm 22. Uh, you know, you're three years older than me. That the age isn't the piece. So you being 20 years old, exactly. why do you, why do you think why do you think you're gonna get respect from a broker? Gosh, I think it's just track record. A lot of it is just how you talk and what you understand. It's it's age isn't that big of a factor in real estate. I found. I mean, capital wise, it'd be nicer to be a little older in some senses. But if you understand the information and know what you're talking about, when you're talking to a broker and you can sound competent, you ask the right questions. They take you serious. They're not asking. That's when they don't ask. Hey, I need proof of funds. Hey, I need whatever I need to see credit checks, all this stuff. If you communicate clearly what you're looking for, sound competent, understand what you're talking about. They're not going to have all these red flags. But if you're like, Hey, uh, I'm Tim, I'm calling about the property on there and be like, who is this guy? Like there's, like, there's no way this guy is real. So I think age doesn't really matter. And I get the same thing. I'm only, tw I'm only 26. Like people won't take me seriously. I've never done a deal. Like how to, how to invest respect, trust me. It's like, you learn how to find a good enough opportunity. There's more money out there than uh, there are good opportunities. And mm. a lot of people forget that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it And it's just going to go to education. You got to educate yourself. You got to know the language. And the best way to learn that is to have some sort of mentor or partner that you exactly. can learn alongside. People, people hate on the mentorship stuff. But I'm telling you, if I didn't take the program I did, I would still, I've gone back to junior college, probably going to a public university now, studying finance, hating my life. But it's just take, like paying a little bit and investing yourself. The dividends are crazy on the back end. Like it's exponentially better than any investment you could ever make. 
Yeah. I, I've told this story several times, but I was at a, a real estate conference that I paid thousands of dollars to go to. The guy sitting next to me also, I assume, paid the same amount of money. And in the middle of the conference, I watched him Google, what does NOI mean on his phone? I was like, bro, like, you didn't watch a YouTube video before you came here? Nothing. And, <laughs> and, said- and it's, it's okay to not know these things. And he was there educating himself and you know, he left that day knowing what NOI means. But if you're trying to do, <laughs> if you're so. trying to do a deal and and you have no idea what that term means, nobody. It, it's a very important term in in uh, specific Just, real estate. You know, specifically multifamily. Very very important. So if you don't know some of those things, educate yourself. There's free YouTube videos. There's free courses out there. Free books. Or you know, you can get a hold of the information. But you should definitely educate yourself in some way before you start going after deals. Just because you're going to go out there and they're going to say, yeah, let me send you a T12 and a rent roll. Like this you're is like, the NOI. This is the cap rate we're, you know, we're looking at. Like it's yeah. going to blow your mind if you've never heard those things and you're going to you know, be out there looking like an idiot. But it's very simple stuff. It's just uh, no, it industry lingo. A hundred percent. And then one thing I've kind of picked up on myself is if you can't invest in yourself, how do you expect anybody else to invest in you? Like, if you're mm-hmm. not willing to invest a couple hundred bucks or a thousand bucks in yourself, how do you expect investors to give you capital? It's like they're going to give you whatever, like 100 grand, 150 grand, and you haven't spent $500 on yourself and your own education. That just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what are ways that, uh, other than the mentorship, what are ways that you're educating yourself? Gosh, that's a great question. I'm just trying to network with investors at all times. I mean, there's people who are a lot bigger fish than me. You've done exactly what I want to do, be exactly where I want to be. So it's trying to meet with them, pick their brains. Just there's always stuff I didn't know, certain brokers to talk to, certain ways to talk to brokers, certain ways to look at deals. Like I talked to a guy yesterday. He was telling me something about like nursing home housing or something, something like that in Texas. And he's like, oh, if you can get this, it's killer. You have to sign up for this, 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 and this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. great. I don't think I'm going to go down that path. But I'm like, I've never heard of this before. And the guy's made a killing off. It owns like a couple hundred or thousand units in Texas, almost free and clear doing that. And I'm like- Assisted well, living facilities? Yeah. He, and he's killing it with those. And I'm like- I've never heard of like all like I've heard of them, but it's like all the deep down lingo and how to do it exactly what steps he took. I'm like, holy cow. And this is off a co- a phone call, like a cold call, like middle of the day, random time. And he answered and we talked for like 45 minutes and it's just stuff like that. And it's just taking that next step, putting yourself out there is huge. A lot of people, it's the analysis paralysis. They're scared to take that first step and that's the hardest one to take, but it's the most necessary one. Mm-hmm. What's your goal? What's your big goal? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Next big goal. Great questions. That's one of my affirmations I write down. (laughs) You do. Um, Gosh, I'm looking at probably moving to Texas in about the next year and a half. That's something I want to do. Leaving California. I mean, it's beautiful here, but I've kind of decided it's the move I want to make. And then buying my parents a house is another big one up there. Those are probably the next two big goals for me I want to hit. But long term, gosh, I don't even know. I don't want to set a cap on it. That's kind of my thing. It's like I have, Mm. I want to be. I want to be huge in sales. I want to be huge in business, huge in real estate, but I just feel like I don't want to set a cap on how big I can go. So that's mm, kind of that's good. where I'm at. Do you write your goals down ever? I used to a lot. I don't anymore. Now it's kind of just get up and just take the necessary action steps every single day to put myself one, one more step forward. So not trying to look too big picture, kind of just staying grounded. Hey, what's the next thing I need to get done? That next thing, just one step and one foot in front of the other. Hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Do you think it helps you when you, when you were writing them down? And do you think it would help you to continue? I don't know. I'm not really here nor there on it. I tried it for a few months, like a lot of the journaling stuff. And um, I didn't notice a ton of success, a ton of difference. It was more just um, being more focused every single day. That's kind of been the biggest change for me. And as far as success and both my sales company and real estate, optimizing everything is just 
being more diligent with things, being more focused, not kind of jumping around a bunch. It's, hey, I'm going to set this time out and I'm going to bang this task out. Then I'm going to bang this task out. Then I'm going to bang this task out. And I have goals to get done every single day, like tasks, you could say. But writing down the big goals, I mean, sometimes I think about doing it again, like in the notebook, just jot down where I want to be, where I want to hit. But it's like, ah, then I'm setting a cap on myself and how big I can be. I want to, I mean, shoot for the stars, the moon, whatever. So well, you can always change it when you get closer. Yeah, gosh, that's, 100 units. Is, 100 units is definitely the next one, unit count wise. That's definitely the big notable one. Yeah, and and, and I, I have like huge, huge goals and like goals for the yeah, year. Yeah. You know, goals for uh, more short term. But the the reason I always tell people to write it down is because when uh, my mentor JD made me start writing mm-hmm. my goals down, they were so small. Like <laughs> like I that's, I had I had a goal. Cool part. I had a goal to save ten thousand dollars that year. Like that, that was my goal for 2020 was to save $10,000. And then at some point in um, maybe August of 2020, I made $10,000 in a day. I was like, wow, I was really aiming small, you know? Yeah, and, then, and, then, and then, and then you, you just kind of, you kind of continue exposing yourself to thinking bigger and what's possible and meeting people is an important thing. Like meeting people that are much bigger fish to, to use mm-hmm. the term you used. Like it's all possible. I had a goal, hundred percent. Just just random goal. Made it up a hundred thousand dollars a month in passive income. Then I met somebody that had five hundred thousand a month in passive income. You're like, I'm thinking too small. Thinking too small. Yeah, and just you know, kind of putting it in front of yourself reminds you of what you want. Um, no, I like, totally agree. I'm big on mm-hmm. always measuring backwards. Just something I'm huge on. If you always like say, I'm gonna be happy when I'm gonna be. I would be content when I hit, like for me, I'll be happy when I hit a hundred doors. I'll be happy when I hit 500 doors, a thousand doors. It'll always just be keep chasing the next horizon. But if you're always measuring backwards, like for me a year ago at this time last year, I didn't own anything. And it's like, wow, this time last year, I was still doing DoorDash, not making any money. And it's just looking backwards, even a month. It's just all the progress you make day by day by day. I think that is the cool part of writing down goals and what you've Mm. accomplished up to a certain point. It's like, wow, I was, my goal was to close on the deals I had under contract. And now I'm even bigger than I was then. and looking at putting even more under contract and make more than I ever have in my whole life. It's like, wow, it's kind of a surreal feeling to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I, I might've misunderstood. You said you'll be happy when you get a hundred doors or were you? You're it's kind of, it, it's kind of just like people, uh, no, I'll definitely, uh, <laughs> I, I'll be happy a long time down the road after that. But it's a lot of people like set themselves up. They'll be like, okay, if this happens, then I'll be happy. If this happens, then I'll be happy. But every time you like, set that mindset that just it's like a goalpost it just keeps moving it keeps moving down the horizon you're never going to catch it you'll get there and it's like oh there's a new one like ambitious people like you and myself it's like if you're like the ten thousand dollar thing it's like i want to do that then it'll be like i'll be stoked and then that next thing is like oh gosh like i'm all for ambition but it's just kind of being content where you are each day too is something that's huge yeah for me, I found. You, are, are you happy now that you don't have 100 units I mean, I'm happy. I, I yeah. definitely ambitious to hit that. <laughs> That's 100. where I was don't, going with that. Don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. The 100 units is definitely the next goal. I'm trying to put another 24 into contract. That put me at 52 after closing that one, and then hit 100 by end of the end of this year or early next year is kind of where I'm looking. Mm. So how many how many deals does it usually take to end up actually closing on one? Like how many offers do you have to make? How many phone calls? That's a good, that's a good question. When I first got started, I was all for the shotgun approach, like call as many as I can. I'm offering out on everything. I figure, Hey, if I don't, if I don't shoot it, I'm never going to hit it kind of thing. And so I was doing that a lot, but now I've changed the approach a lot of, Hey, I'm not, I'm, if I'm making an offer, it's very concise. Like I'm pretty sure the guy's going to accept it. I'm not just out here throwing like Hail Marys down the field, hoping they take something. So, um, definitely takes a few deals to get one. As a lot of people say, my first one took me looking at 
gosh, hundreds, if not a thousand deals to finally hit that first one, especially in that competitive market. Now I'm still looking at a ton of deals, still talking to a ton of owners, but the offers I make are a lot less to what I'm converting on. Mm, gotcha. Um, so what was the, the team look like now? Gosh, what does the team look like now? I've got a different property manager for every property because I'm in different cities, co- team of contractors, handyman. Yeah, how, how do you, how do you find a good property manager? That's a great question. For me, it was asking referrals. I had the one benefit, the biggest benefit probably of calling so many brokers in so many different parts of Texas is I had multiple brokers in multiple markets. It's, hey, who's your best PM here? Hey, who's your best PM here? Hey, who do you like the best? And then that same name just kept popping up for each market. I'm like, I'm probably going to give them a call. Call them, kind of see what their their goals will be for the property, where they see it going. If everything aligns, then I'd go with them. But yeah, as far as team, it's that. Um, the sales team looking hiring a few employees, kind of growing those out, adding some more contracts. So that's kind of where the universe aligns right now. Do hmm. you have a team helping you with acquisitions? I might've missed that. Um, no acquisitions is kind of all on my own so far for the real estate stuff. I'm kind of trying to balance the acquisitions and the sales stuff. I've got some SMS blasting software. Some, uh, I just actually got Reonomy. It's what I just got. So just trying to hmm. get new data, get new software. That's the biggest thing. Haven't hired any for acquisitions yet. got to get a little bigger first. Yeah. Well, what do you, what do you think you need to get to before you hire that? Gosh, probably at least, um, I don't know, at least 200. I've got, I just want to be a bigger fish before I start kind of delegating that yeah. out. How are you going to get to 200 without an acquisitions guy? Got to be the rock star myself, right? For a little bit. Yep. That's right. That's right. Um, I don't have an acquisitions team either. Really, my acquisitions team is just my network. Kind of like you're saying. Yeah. Amen to that. At, at a certain point, you build enough relationships with brokers, wholesalers, other investors that like I'm, you know, I'm seeing now probably four to five deals a week come to my email that are, you know, at least worth looking at. No, not all of them are great deals, but like that's the people knowing that you're going to close deals and that you buy real estate is your acquisitions team for a while. And then, and then, you you know, you can always hire someone to be more proactive, but like, that's the way I do it. Yeah. Just instilling confidence in people, your ability to close is huge. And a broker knows you can close and you've worked with them before. Or they've seen you close. They know the brokers you're working with. It's like that just inspires confidence. Hey, if I send this guy a deal and it's good enough, he's going to close it. Mm. And, and even, even the way you, the, at a certain point when you have a track record, the way you talk about the deals you've done, people just know. There, there's a lot of people, especially in real estate in general and on the internet that are just, you know, kind of full of it. Oh, a lot of people <laughs> are. No, a lot of a lot people, of unfortunately, are teaching real estate that don't own any. <laughs> Yeah, that's the sad part. There's a lot of gurus out there who are like, oh, do this, this, and this. And then you look into what they own and how their stuff's doing. You're like, oh, maybe that's not the person I should be listening to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Just uh, trust but verify. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Every, no, everything, verify. everything in life. <laughs> yeah, verifying is the biggest part. Mm. So, say. yeah. So, so you've got to, you're building the team, you're growing, you are hustling, acquiring properties. Um, well, what are some of the things you're doing with your properties? Like, do you have exit an exit plan? Are you planning to keep them forever? What do the yeah. loans look like? Yeah, like, those the are goal some of the things I'm curious about. Yeah, goals definitely keep them forever. On my first two, I've got longer term seller finance notes, a five and a ten year. My third one, I got a ridiculous price. It was like worth one one day one. I bought it for like seven and a quarter. So I was mm. like, that one I put a shorter balloon on just because I could literally go refinance the day if I wanted to if rates yeah. were in a better spot. So that one I'm how, not too how short about. of a balloon. Uh, I have like two and a half more years on it. Not really okay. stressed at all because I could, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a killer deals at least done some renovation on it. Probably mm. worth like one, two, five now. Okay. So it's like, realistically, it's like a 50% LTV. 
But yeah, exit strategy on that one, that one might be a sell or a refi. Not 100% sure yet. Talk with a partner on that one. And the other two are just hold forever, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm definitely but, on that thought train. The buy and hold, I got that from Christian 100% is yeah. just hold the properties forever. When, when Christian and Cody were on Bradley's podcast that came out recently, they were talking about, I don't know what's going to happen with the economy, but whoever owns assets is probably going to be better off than who doesn't. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I watched a little bit of that episode too. I've heard the story so many times, so I don't watch everything they're on anymore. But yeah, I mean, it's true. If you own the assets, you're going to be better off than a guy who doesn't have any assets for sure. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, acquiring them even it takes creativity, but you can do it. And obviously you don't have to be old. You don't have to have money. You just have to have nope. the right, uh, right partners, right mentors, right information. That's the piece, the right information. How you get the information quickly is from mentors and partners. Yeah, if you're out there trying to learn off YouTube, YouTube's great, but if you really want to take that next step, just paying for even a course or a mentor or something that's at that next level up, it's a little below the tip of the iceberg, that's huge. Mm. So what, what advice would you give to someone that does not have any real estate yet? All right, I'll make this better. What advice would you give to someone that is driving DoorDash right now that knows they, they need to do something better? Gosh, I would say don't take no for an answer. That is the biggest, best piece of advice I right. could give. Everybody's going to tell you why you can't do it why it doesn't make sense, why it's not feasible that you're 20, why you should go to college, why you shouldn't be an entrepreneur, why you shouldn't invest in real estate. And if it's something you want to do, if you put your mind to it, anything's possible. I had all those same objections. People tell me, go back to school, go play baseball again, go get a nine to five, go back to school. It's just everything you could possibly think of. And it's if you have your mindset to something, don't take no. Don't tell when somebody tells you, no, you can't do that. Just there's always a way. It's just finding the way around it, finding how to make it work. Mm. And, and specifically, what do you think is the best source of information to ensure success? Gosh, that's a great, gosh, you do ask good questions. Um, I would say finding a mentor who has done exactly what you want to do. For me, it was Christian and Cody had done exactly what I want to do. But let's say somebody wants to go into construction, find the best builder out there in your area, learning from them or doing a mentorship on that. But going in a direction of somebody who's already done what you want to do, you don't have to reinvent the wheel by any means. I mean, everything out there, real estate's pretty much been accomplished up to this point. So mm. it's just finding somebody who's already done that and just learning everything you can from them, whether that's a paid mentorship whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, you're paying a lot for them. I, and they don't have a course. I don't know. Some people do that. I know whether it's working for somebody, it's just finding how to get started. Yeah. That's, you, you got to pay sometimes for someone's no, time. No, it's investing like, yourself. And I'll it, back if, to it. if somebody's time is worth something, you're probably going to have to pay what it's worth. Yeah, but I think that's a big misconception. It. A lot of people ask for stuff for free and all that stuff. And sometimes the only value you can provide to somebody is joining their mentorship in truth. Some people are these huge fish. And the biggest value you could provide is joining their mentorship and joining their Zoom calls. It's not like, hey, I want to work for you. I want to do this and this and this. Sometimes, most of the time, they have all their bases covered that you would be able to do. And there's nothing for you to do besides join, join their program or pay for their time. Exactly. That's why people do business. It's an exchange of value where both people agree that they're getting the value they want. So these big guys you know, that, that have massive real estate portfolios and they have their mentorship programs that are like 30K, you're like, that's outrageous. But- what value are you bring? What value are you bringing him? He's going to teach yeah, you how to build exactly. this billion dollar portfolio. You know, you're worth it. You're worth his time if you pay him thirty k. <laughs> yeah, but if you're like, hey, like, hey, blank, I want to work for you. They're just going to look at you. Okay, like, I have a thousand yeah, employees. Cool. Yeah, see ya. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm big right. on the paying, paying for education, paying to get to the next level. I have a huge component of, or a huge mm -hmm. advocate of. Mm. So how could someone get together, say they don't have $1,000 to to spend on some kind of education like that? How how would you recommend someone get the money? Gosh, I would say just keep hustling. If you're, if you're a young guy like I was, just staying frugal. Hustle doing what? 
gosh, either DoorDash or maybe you have to get a job for a little bit. I don't know. I, I, I worked a job for two weeks once. <laughs> that was the longest W2 I ever had. But mm-hmm. gosh, DoorDash, I mean, if you go out and do DoorDash all day for a few days a month, you're going to make solid money to keep saving living at home. You can get that thousand in a month. It's just sometimes you guys have to put the pedal to the metal, stay frugal, live, live below your means. And then once it's go time, it's go time. Then you go all in on learning the next thing. For me, it was kind of that way. I didn't do that all with Cody and Christian. I was kind of in the red every month learning how to do it while I was doing it. But it would have been nicer if I saved everything before and just all day, every day, just work and work and work and just try to make it happen, do whatever it takes. Yeah. I think if you can't do anything else, work at a restaurant somewhere where you can make tips and like Dude, yeah, where, that or where your, or your skill, like you, your interaction with them is going to determine how much money you make and just be the best possible server, entertainer, bring them food, you know, make, make sure everything's perfect. Bartending too. Bartending is like, if you learn how to make some good drinks and how to have some good conversations, you can, uh, you can make like good amount of money compared to yeah. most other things and then yeah, low barrier to entry. and then invest that into education and how to acquire assets how to increase your income because you in some way or another have to increase your income to start building wealth that's that's the first foundation yep everybody starts from ground zero most of us at least when you're mm-hmm. just a young adult have no money you're like oh what do i do now and if you have to go be a bartender by night work on your business all day during the day sometimes you have to it's not always sunshine and rainbows. You've got to, got to grind most of the time. Yeah. I, I worked at a restaurant, saved up like seven grand over the summer, bought camera equipment, started a camera business or a photography business, not a camera business, started a photography business, taking pictures for real estate listings, built a real estate network, met the right people, stayed involved, Dang. Uh, eventually stopped doing the, the real estate photography. But like that was, that was the progression. Yeah, that got you into it. It's not success isn't a direct line. There's all these curves, all these things you don't expect. And people just getting started don't realize they're like, okay, I'm gonna be here, then perfectly I'm gonna be here, 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 here. And it's like, no, 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 that's not how this stuff works. Like it's gonna take you on this windy path. And if you stay with it, you're gonna end up in the same spot, but it's not gonna look like the same journey you thought it would. Yeah. As it well, Caleb, any uh any last words of advice? I know this last piece has been a lot of advice, but any last things that you kind of came with that you need to need to leave out there gosh it kind of goes back to the another thing age is just a number like in real estate like you could be 50 years old decided hey i want to go for this and go for it you can be 18 like i was say i want to go for it it doesn't matter it's never too late to start the most important thing is just getting started absolutely great way to end it where can people find more of you get in touch with you learn yeah from you? Um, instagram is at caleb.hommel that is the absolute best place to reach me gotcha well if you are listening still at this point thank you very much for listening this long reach out to caleb follow him on instagram uh follow christian and cody what they're doing as well i'm, I'm gonna have christian here on a podcast soon and i've had cody on previously so uh follow those guys and we will catch you on the next episode thanks thanks for having me tim Thanks for tuning into the Student of the Game podcast. If you listened all the way to the end, I would love your feedback. The best way to connect with me is to reach out through Instagram. Leaving a thumbs up or a review on whichever platform you're tuning in from will really help this podcast reach more people. So if you found it valuable at all, all I can ask is that you would do that for me. Thanks. Until next time.